Jake Warner was at the control. So sit back, relax, and check this joint out right here. Jake! Yo! Okay, here we go. So good to be back. This podcast is for the people. No, nobody knows who I am. Jake! Live from the Big Brother Bungalow in Southern California. Ready to talk a bunch of nonsense with you. I can't stand them. It's the Big Brother Jake Podcast. Yo, what's good, y'all? It's your boy, Big Brother Jake, a.k.a. Jake Warner. My government name. Welcome to the show. You can listen to the show on SoundCloud.com slash The Big Brother Jake Podcast. You can go to iTunes or Google Play or Spotify or tune in, type in the keyword search, The Big Brother Jake Podcast, and boom, you're in there. Yes, it feels like an eternity since I've done my last podcast. So much so... I forgot how long it's been, at least going on three weeks, so I apologize for that. I needed the break. Um, I feel refreshed. I feel re-energized, and I feel like I'm ready to go. Um, so again, I want to thank the homie P-Dub, a.k.a. Paul Wilson, for uh, being my special guest host on the last episode of the Big Brother Jake podcast as we recorded that from San Diego, California. My man, we had a good time. We giggled. We laughed. We did everything. And uh, it was a good show, in my opinion, and I got a lot of positive feedback from it. So, P-Dub, love you, brother. Thank you again for always, you know, making me sound good. Because, ultimately, that's all I care about. It's the Big Brother Jake Podcast. <laughs> I'm just messing with you, bro. Don't get mad. So, I ended up going to uh, Maui, Hawaii. I took a little vacation, and um, I've never had a mother-son trip, just my mother and myself. So I decided, hey, Ma, let's go to Maui. Word? Word. So we jumped on a plane, went to beautiful Maui, spent six days and five nights there. Wonderful time. Paradise. Water's blue and beautiful. The food, oh my goodness, the mahi-mahi, the ahi tuna, um, the snow cones, you know, everything you could think of. The hula girls. <clears throat> yeah, um, for educational purposes and learning about the culture, they were fantastic at the old Lahaina Luau. The lava flows. Oh, my God. My new drink. You know, I'm not into the shishi, fufu, sugary drinks, you know. But you try a lava flow and your whole perspective on that will change. Trust me when I tell you that. So, And it was amazing. It was just an amazing time. Had a good time. Enjoyed the island, enjoyed the laid-back atmosphere, enjoyed hanging out with my moms. It was a good time. And then Sunday was, man, probably one of the hardest days I remember in life. Um, like everybody, um, you'll remember where you were when you found out that Kobe Bryant passed away from a helicopter accident. My sister called me. And my sister, she's usually the type to, you know, she reads something on the internet, somebody died, and it's like a hoax story from like four years ago. But she's like, Jake, um, have you been watching the news? Have you been watching TV? And the last thing I'm doing in Hawaii is watching TV. So I'm like, no, what's going on? She's like, Kobe Bryant passed away in a helicopter accident. I said, shut up. You got to be kidding me. 
I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it right now. And she's like, yeah, yeah, it happened. He's he's dead. Um, TMZ confirmed it. So I'm like, man, okay, TMZ confirmed it. She's like, Jake, I'm, tell- I'm telling you, like, you know, look into it. So being a producer in radio, you know, my, I guess my hustle kicks in and you start checking your sources, checking around, you know, and ESPN doesn't have it, ABC, CBS, NBC, um, Fox, no one has this story. So I'm like, how the hell do I believe this? You know, so I made a few phone calls and whatnot, and I'm getting confirmations that four to five people perished in a helicopter accident um, in Calabasas, California, which is located right outside of Los Angeles. It's a very affluent suburb. And I was like, okay, putting two to two together. Reports come out more and more, and then it's confirmed. And I was crushed. I cried all day Sunday. My mom knows how much I love the Lakers. And she was there crying with me. We just were in shock. We couldn't believe it. And uh, I wanted to do this episode a week ago, but three different times um, I cried and couldn't finish. And uh, it was really hard for me to even do this show. But damn it, Kobe would be calling all of us soft. You're soft. You're soft. And I don't have the Mamba mentality. I'm working on that. But I do have the big bro Jake mentality, the heart of a lion. And we don't mess around. We're from San Bernardino here. And the one thing that city taught me was to be tough and we move on from adversity. And, oh man, I'm going to do it, though. I, I tried three other podcasts and I cried, couldn't make it through the first five minutes. But tonight, as I record this, we're going to do the damn thing. So I'm not going to sit here and talk about his accolades On the court. We all knew he scored a lot of points. We all knew he was deadly on the court. He was the man. We knew he won championships for the city of Los Angeles. We know all the things he did on the court. When I got home last Tuesday from Maui, I looked at my mom, and she knew exactly what I wanted to do. We flew all night long as a red eye. We went from Maui to San Francisco, San Francisco to LAX. We grabbed our bags, jumped on the 110, and went right to LA Live where the makeshift memorial was happening. Now, when I tell you I got to Los Angeles and it was a city of in mourning, that's no exaggeration. We got to LAX. There's people still sad. Kobe jerseys all over the airport. Kobe jerseys all over the city. And the city was mourning hard. It's, you know, it's still fresh in everybody's mind. Two days after. 
And we get to the memorial, and it was it was somber, as you would expect. And I, I met a woman from Brazil and KTLA Channel 5 here in Los Angeles, one of our local uh, channels here in town. Went to her and interviewed her. She couldn't even get through the interview because she cried so hard. As soon as she heard the news, she jumped on a plane from Brazil, came straight to Los Angeles. Now, I've been through some sad things in my life. I'm 43. And I've lived through a lot of deaths, you know, Biggie, Tupac, you know, a lot of rappers, a lot of actors that we lost way too soon. But none of them I can remember had the effect that Kobe Bryant had on the entire world. I um wasn't his biggest fan at all, you know, all the time. I thought he was a ball hog. I thought he was somebody that was just mean and rude. I thought he was, you know, just a cocky, rich kid that grew up suburbs of Philadelphia and Italy, so he was cultured. People know I've dogged him out in the past. And I didn't really appreciate what he contributed. He never cheated the game. But again, I'm not going to sit here and talk about his impact on basketball. He had a global impact. Very generous man. If he knew cameras were coming at a charity event, he would leave. The city was hurting so bad. It made me so sad. I did not want to come back to Los Angeles. But people were really in pain. I was walking around the whole memorial and people were just shaking their head, stunned and disbelief. And it was just terrible. I just, because it's one thing, you know, I'm seeing you as like a father, somebody was married. All I could think about was Vanessa Bryant. She lost her soulmate. She lost a man that she loved with all her heart. But wasn't those weren't the only people, you know. And and first of all, I'm I'm gonna say something that's very unpopular. Don't get mad at people that don't include the other seven victims. We didn't know all seven victims. It's very sad. But yes, we know who Gigi was because that was Kobe's daughter. We knew who Kobe was. But some of us you know, knew who some of these people were locally. Like John Altabelli, baseball coach, you know, Orange Coast College. Very popular, very successful. His wife, Carrie, their daughter, Alyssa, Altabelli, Sarah and Peyton Chester, 
Christina Mauser, and Ara Zabayan all perished in that crash. Sad. I don't think people really should attack anybody that, and I've seen it happen. Well, seven other people died. They did, and it's very sad. So I want to show them love and let the world know that I acknowledge them too. They all have families. They don't get the fanfare Kobe will get, but it's a sad situation. No doubt about it. The city is different. Los Angeles is a different place. It definitely was when I got back to L.A. from Maui. But as time has gone on and it's been about 11 days as I record this, the city's finally trying to get back to normal. You see more Kobe Bryant jerseys in Los Angeles than you ever have, which is beautiful. I'm not knocking that, so don't take it that way. I remember going all over L.A. and seeing some of the most crappiest graffiti on the planet. You could drive every six blocks anywhere in Los Angeles, and you'll see a Kobe, Kobe and Gigi. You'll see all kinds of um, murals and memorials spray-painted all over different various buildings around Los Angeles. Hell, I was driving from uh, during my lunch break at uh, Podcast One. A friend, my, my boy Sean, and I were uh, coming back from lunch. And near Rodale Drive, there's a beautiful like memorial of Kobe Bryant, jerseys, candles, big poster of him, in Beverly Hills, a place that you would not expect to see murals or pictures of anything. So even the graffiti in Los Angeles is different. It's all Kobe. It's all love. It's an amazing thing. Beautiful. Kobe had an impact. He was very generous with his time. He was very charitable. Very generous with his money. And he was trying to do something different off the court and move on to the next phase of his life. He had his life all planned out. However, his plan was not what took place. And I'm not trying to sound mean or morbid. My point on that is that we're not promised tomorrow. We're not guaranteed another day. We're not guaranteed that you're going to be doing what you plan to do tomorrow morning. I found out, you know, again from my sister, how he passed away. As it was confirmed, because people do care about my well-being and how much I love the Lakers and how much I like Kobe, even though I, you know, different times, I, I despised him. But it was on the court only. Got about 
27 phone calls, about 40 texts from 40 to 50 different people. And we all had our little piece of Kobe moments, you know, um, how that summer, you know, I, I like I said, you know, thank you for five wonderful summers during your 20-year career because those five summers were five championships that he won. And just amazing. I called my boy P and be like, yo, we did it again, son. You know tradition. I'm going to the Team LA store down in um, Figueroa at Stable Center and pick up some shirts for everybody that don't live in LA. He brought a lot of joy to the city. He was loved in the Latin community because he reached out more than a lot of athletes would in, in LA. Fluent in Spanish and Italian. And he spoke other languages, you know, just to try and get in his opponent's head. But the Latin community embraced Kobe and he embraced them. And it was beautiful to see. I had different people hit me up saying, Jake, I love you, brother. And, you know, even my homeboys that are like the most macho of, of, of macho dudes. Yo, man, I love you. Get home safe. My boy P is like, hey, man, can you take a boat home? Because I'm scared something's going to happen to you. But like my man Tom Looney always says, hey, air travel's the safest travel. So, you know, I'm a, I'm like I'm not gonna think like that. I'm, I just want to get home. So it was the love that Kobe spread throughout the world that spread to everybody else, even in his untimely death. What? made all of this tragedy beautiful is that there's an outpouring of love to other people. Now, I'm not going to name names because I don't want to embarrass anybody. But one of the, personally, what was dope about this whole thing, if I'm going to find a silver lining in anything, one of the greatest things that came out of this tragedy, I had one of my old supervisors reach out to me from, a, from, a, from an old job. And they said, hey, you got a minute? Can I talk to you? I'm like, absolutely. I would love to hear from you. And this person's like, yo, I'm sorry for how things went down here at work. And I'm sorry for how you were treated and how I treated you. You know, this whole thing made me realize that, you know, life is too short. And I really hope, you know, we can be friends again and um, work through everything. And I said, yo, water under the bridge, man. We're good. We're good. I love you like a brother. We're good. Don't even trip. Or as I would say, don't trip, chocolate chip. 
We got this. <laughs> and that was inspired by Kobe Bryant. So we made up. We're good. Picked up where we left off. No big deal. Then two other supervisors from another place I worked at called me, said, hey, how you doing with this whole Kobe thing? It's really affecting us, and we know how much you love the Lakers, and we just want to know, you know, how you're feeling. You're good? And I'm dumbfounded. I'm like, I kind of left on bad terms with these people, and I left. <laughs> but I'm like, yeah, it's really sad, you know, and just it hurts. This one hurts. This one hurts bad. And, man, they both were like, Jake, we miss you. We're sorry things happened the way they did. We really would like to get together and hang out, have some lunch, and talk this over. And I obliged, and I said, of course. And, you know, I told him about, you know, some of the things I was going through that I kept very private. Because as open of a book I, as I am to people, I am 100% private on certain things in my life. I mean, the fact that I talked about my pending divorce was shocking to a lot of people that know me. You know, I could tell you embarrassing stories that happened to me. I could tell you all the crazy stuff that's happened to me. But, like, there's certain things I'm just off limits to, period. And they told me, hey, we didn't know you were going through that. But with this whole Kobe thing that happened, we wanted to make sure that, uh, we touch base with you and we miss you. That touched me. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. And we made up. We're all buddy, buddy friends again and planning more dinners and, and lunches, you know? So, yeah, of course Kobe Bryant was amazing. As a basketball player. Amazing. As a husband and father. Which I'm sure that's the one thing he cared about. More than anything else. That title. That's a just. Yes. I, as a father. I, I absolutely understand that. And I. You know. I don't care how many jobs or teams I work for. You know. as long, If I get the title of. Man. He was a good father, great father. I don't care about anything else. Great friend. Well, some people won't say great husband. <laughs> so I put it out there. That made you laugh. Come on, it's okay. You can laugh at that. That's what I'm sure he was aiming for more than anything. He finally got to spend time with him. This tragedy touched everybody differently. But out of tragedy came triumph. And now three people that I thought I'd never talk to ever again 
are back in my life and I talk to them all the time now. And Kobe, I thank you for that. Absolutely, 100% thank you for that. And sometimes the job that I have disgusts me. Got to kind of switch gears. I'm not going to do the whole transition stuff. I'm just going to go straight shot here. Gail King. Let me tell you something, Gail. And any other journalist that feels the need to bring up negativity. We all know Kobe Bryant went through a lot of that stuff in Colorado. I think Lisa Leslie put it beautifully in that ridiculous interview with Gail King. Y'all had all this time before his death to talk about it. Right now is not the time. Now, Gail, I'm just going to, I don't care who says this, who hears it, whatever. Nobody cares who you are without your homegirl, Oprah, period. I'm nobody. I'm a 43-year-old, middle-aged, about-to-be-divorced dude, middle-class dude, doing a podcast to hundreds of people. I'm nobody. I admit it, and I'm okay with that. I love being nobody. You ain't where you're at without your girl. And then this man that everybody knows was good to people, had an impact, and touched the world, not just Los Angeles, not just the NBA. He globally touched the world. The whole world mourned. Every country had some kind of tribute to him. And purple and yellow, and the number eight, the number 24, and the number two for Gigi. And you, Gail King, are going to sit there and bring up the rape trial. Which, it was dropped because she didn't testify. You had to bring it up, though, huh? And that idiot that works for the Washington Post had to bring it up too. Clout chasing. Clout chasing is dangerous, y'all. Don't go clout chasing and saying certain things just to get attention and just to get popularity, okay? You should be ashamed of yourself. Let the man mourn. He has a family. He has other kids that they're going to read about that anyways, and I'm... But they don't need to hear about it now. They lost a father. I'm sure when you die, Gail, because you're going to, we all do, we never get out of life alive. I'm pretty sure you don't want people bringing up your past. We all have one. We all done dirt of some sort, whether it's insurmountable, high, or the lowest of the low. We've all done something that we're not proud of. And I'm pretty sure when you kick the bucket, you're not going to want people bringing up your stuff. Bringing up your life. Bringing up all this other crazy stuff. Let him rest in peace. Let his family mourn. And not bring that up. Just for a while. It's part of his history and all that, but this is not the time. You should be ashamed of yourself. 
And I don't have any problem with anybody going after her the way they did, even though Snoop was like on her head. <laughs> Snoop Dogg didn't give a damn. You go worry about Harvey Weinstein, your homeboy, and grill him just as hard as you grilled poor Lisa Leslie on Kobe. And I don't even want to talk about it no more because it just pisses me off. It really does. So we'll move on from it. But I, I, I'm not putting any production value into this episode, so bear with me. I have a Kobe Bryant story that I don't think I've told anybody on the podcast. You know, my friends have heard this. But I'm going to say it. And at the time, I thought Kobe was the biggest asshole in the world when this happened. But now it's kind of like a badge of honor. <laughs> so no cue in the music. I'm just going to go straight shot. The year? I want to say 2006, 2007. <laughs> And Kobe always got to shoot around early. I was working for, you know, con doing a contract job for the, probably a Spanish broadcast. Um, that's probably how I got in the building. And I usually get there super early to set up my stuff. So I went down courtside with a, another constituent that's in the business. I will not name him. I don't want to implicate him in anything. Uh, and he had my back. So I won't say who it is, but. Thank you. You know who you are. So me and this other person was standing courtside watching Kobe shoot around. And so, you know, I'm pretty loud, dude. My voice carries pretty damn far. And, you know, like the homie Peter was like, Jake, man, your voice carries, bro. You got to stop. So that's why I don't talk trash on people because, you know, people can hear me. And I don't. Sometimes my I don't want to get jumped, even though I'm a big dude, you know. But my I don't want I want my ass writing checks that you know they can't cash or whatever that stupid thing is. Anyway, so he's shooting, we're talking, we're laughing, we're kind of goofing off a little bit, and I could see Kobe coming my way. So I'm like, oh, this is dope. Kobe's coming over here. <laughs> and he's like, hey, yo, what's up? I was like, yo, what's up, Kobe? How you doing, bro? I said, what's up? I said, uh, what's up, bro? Oh, and he got mad and he walked away. And I was like, that was awkward. I don't understand. And so... Me being me, I'm like, okay, 20,000 people on the road booing you doesn't distract you, but one loud ass man, one loud mouth dude distracting you, Corsair. He threw me like the dirtiest look. So then the PR person at the time, won't name his name either, is making his way to the court. Now, this person was known for revoking credentials and never letting you back in the building for life. Now, I'm not going to say I hauled ass. Let's just say I ran in slow motion and took off. 
And then I know Staples Center pretty well, so I know the ins and outs. I know where I can go and not be seen certain places and make my way back to others. So I was like, if I get caught, my credentials gone. And I'm working for another team and I'm contracted. So how am I going to explain I got kicked out of the game, out of the building, and I can't work tonight? The guy that gives me those jobs would have been like, yeah, you're done forever. So I run, I go back to where I was working and start tinkering with stuff that's already done. Said PR person was like, hey, have you seen a guy kind of like your build, your color, your height, um, disturbing people courtside? People meaning Kobe Bryant. Now I'm sweating. I see him and I'm like, red, I'm going to talk mine in. Put my credential in my shirt and was like, no, but you know what? While I was up here working, I saw like a heavy set dude running towards media dining hall. Thank you. And he took off. That dude they were looking for was me. <laughs> and I dodged a bullet. But the whole time, and I would tell people this story man, Kobe's mean and this and that. He sucks. But now, after learning what I've learned and getting to know him more, with his passing, I realized he was working. It's the Mamba mentality. He was locked in focus and trying to get great, more great, which I don't see how. The man was brilliant, but like he took it upon himself to get there early and shoot around and just had him in a rebounder. And I disturbed him. And I was absolutely wrong for that. But all these years, I made him to be the villain when it was me. So, Mamba, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> that was my bad. Thank you for not having my credential revoked. <laughs> oh, man. You know, people can just sit here and tell Kobe stories all day. But that was a funny story to me. That was crazy. But it just goes to show how locked in and focused he was. He didn't want anybody taking that from him. Yes, Kobe, I thank you for the five championships. Yes, I thank you for all the wonderful basketball games I got to watch. I'm so glad I got to see you live play basketball. That's a blessing, and it was an honor to watch you. But I want to thank you for bringing a city together, Kobe. Even though it's not the way you wanted it, obviously, or your family or the other families. But to see rich white men hugging middle class or poor minorities and vice versa, celebrating Kobe's life. People crying together, leaning up on each other, hugging strangers. Talking about some of the biggest plays Kobe made in his career. And their love for Kobe was mutual and strong. Through tragedy came triumph. And the city that mourned became a city that came together. So for that, Kobe, I thank you. His memorial will take place 
Everybody's into the number thing, and I think it's great. February 2nd. I'm sorry. February 24th, 2020. And uh, 02 in February and the 24th, Gigi and Kobe. I think that's a great thing. It's a great honor. It's right before the Clipper game that night against the Wizards, I believe. The city will mourn again and will be sad, deep sad, one more time. But let's celebrate the life. Let's be happy about the life that Kobe Bryant had on this earth. And the joy he brought you while you watched him. Everybody mourns different. You know, you got idiots saying, you didn't know him personally. Well, you know what? Just because I didn't know him every day doesn't mean that he wasn't a big part of my life. I learned things from Kobe. Now, I'm just saying in general, not so much me. But people learned from him. People, he was a part of people's day because they took time out of their day to watch him play basketball. This city will heal from this. It's going to stick around for a very long time. We all still hurt. Today, when I was at lunch on one of the TVs, it was Michael Jordan's last game at Staples Center. When he was with the Wizards and Kobe and Shaq were on the team. And you kind of get misty-eyed because when they went to commercial, then they flash, you know, R.I.P. Kobe Bryant. And it still doesn't seem real. Kobe will want everybody to heal and get over this and attack the day. Mamba mentality. So I think as a collective, as city of Los Angeles and worldwide, for all the people that adored that man, let's live up to the hype. Let's live up to having a Mamba mentality. Rise above. And it was a blessing to be able to go to the memorial three times. And each time I went, it got a little easier. But people still crying. People celebrating his life. Talking about all the great things he did. The memorial has since been torn down. Over 1,300 plus basketballs. Pairs of shoes, pictures, artwork, tons of flowers and candles. I think they counted 25,000 candles. It's no longer. It's a reminder that as much as we mourn and hurt, we must move on. And I intend to do the same. Now... People are sad because they didn't get to send their flowers or do anything of that sort. But what you can do in order to make a difference and support the other families that perished in this terrible, tragic accident, you can go to mambaon3.org. Mambaon3.org. And you can donate there. In lieu of flowers and all that stuff, you can make a donation. 
mambaon3.org. Every little bit counts. So, I I made it. <laughs> I made it. I made it without crying because it took me about five minutes. And I'm sorry, this podcast, you know, coming back is not high energy and whatnot. Um, but it's a celebration of life. And I thank Kobe Bryant for all the great memories. But the main thing I want to thank Kobe for is bringing three people back into my life I thought I was never going to talk to again. And rekindled our friendships. So I'm very grateful for that part. God bless you, Kobe. Vanessa Bryant, I know she won't listen. She won't hear this podcast. I know that. And that's okay. But you got a whole world of people that got your back. That's here for you. I mean, I wish I could just, like, give you a hug and be there for you. The whole world does. Keep her in your prayers and your thoughts. And there's other three beautiful babies. Keep them in your 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 prayers and thoughts as well. So, pretty somber show, but I had to give love. I had a whole different show planned out. Um, the the, the I was gonna have an episode with my mom in Maui, and the day we we're gonna record was the day Kobe's news came and we just couldn't do it. So I guess I got to go back to Maui and take my mom again. <laughs> and we could do the interview there, do the whole podcast from there. So if you were expecting that, my apologies. And my mom probably would have demanded money anyways. <laughs> so whether you're a Kobe fan or not, Laker fan or not, pray for his family. Pray for the other victims' families that perished. And let's celebrate the man's life. So, with that being said, tune in next week to the Big Brother Jake podcast. And it's going to be an epic show. We're going to have, it's like an independent music spotlight. Like the whole episode is that. But it consists of behind-the-scenes people in the world of hip-hop, an underground legend that's well-respected worldwide in hip-hop, and an up-and-comer that exudes the culture of hip-hop. I don't want to give it away just yet. So until next week when I do the new episode, I want to say to y'all, I'm going to change it up a little bit. Kobe! You're listening to the Big Brother Jake Podcast.